Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 88 of the Whatevery Show. If you want to follow along, you can go to whatevery.co slash 88 and you'll find the show notes for this episode. Um, it's probably also in your podcast plan, whatever. Uh, we have so much to talk about. We've been off two weeks. Uh, last weekend was Father's Day weekend, and we've had a lot of shit going on, so we just we didn't record, and now we're back, and there's there's a lot a lot of stuff that happens in two weeks, there believe, is, believe it or not. There is. Um, if we were to recap everything that we're going to talk about, or recap, if we were to, to give a mention to everything we're going to talk about tonight, we'd probably take half the show. So um, I think we're going to skip the formalities tonight. Yeah. Just and um, Raw dog it right in there. So, yeah, it has been two weeks since we recorded. Things have changed. All right? Things have changed. We're living in a different time. I, I just, I, I put this in the show notes because I needed to mention that as of three days ago, I am now the NXT champion. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, more precisely, my, my WWE 2K17 character, Assbutt is now the NXT <laughs> champion. That's outstanding. Uh, also, surprisingly, I, I didn't. Re- I don't think I realized this. Um, this is really tangential, but Cody Rhodes, uh, champion in New Japan, isn't he? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, going to do good things. He's going to be back in the WWE again, probably sooner than people think, but um, he, need- so. he needed to go do this, and he needed to go out there and make a name for himself on the indies. And, and I mean, you can't even call New Japan indies anymore because it's, no. it's, it's, it's big leagues over there. Um, but essentially what he needed to do was go out and do this so that when he comes back, Vince McMahon can't be like, well, pal, we're going to throw the Stardust gimmick back on you. Yeah. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to do that. Yeah. I don't think he wants to do that. God damn, pal. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. No. So I won the NXT belt uh, a few days back. And uh, I decided to uh, throw my name in the hat to uh, win the uh, U.S. title belt now. So Nice. I'm, uh, Best of luck. Uh yeah, I'm now I'm now appearing regularly on SmackDown as well as main event. I'm anxiously awaiting Jackson opening his presents tomorrow because one of the presents he got, uh, it, which my wife did without consulting me, and I haven't mentioned this, uh, but she got him uh, WWE 2K17. Uh, so that means I I tangentially get to play uh, 2K17. So um, yeah, this this is looking like a good summer. That's actually kind of what got me back into it because you mentioned that that you were going to have the opportunity to play um, at least semi regularly. Yeah, and I was like, well. I can't let that beat me. I can't <laughs> let that fucker get better at me. So yeah. get better than me. So I um um I I I, I renewed my my career and uh yeah faced Samoa Joe for the NXT title, won it, and I I still have it, but I'm not defending it regularly. So nice. Apparently, the way the title system works in 2K17 is you can have two titles at once, but then when you go for the next title, it'll make you drop one. Oh okay. Um, so I'm gonna go for the U.S. belt and. Uh, then I'm gonna probably uh, go for the Intercontinental belt, and then at that point I'll I'll just you know drop the NXT. I'll yeah. drop the NXT belt. Yeah, let some other fucker have it. Nice, nice. Not not anybody as cool as ass butt, but you know. You know, it's funny because my in my <laughs> I have a ridiculous move set too. Like it's yeah. I started. Um, you can the way the career works is you start out with all D level moves. Okay. And then you earn what's called VC or virtual currency or whatnot. Um, for how well you do in your matches. Um, 
there's multipliers. So if you're, um, you, you know, if you're a face and playing a role as a face and stuff like that, like I've been getting regularly four star matches, occasionally a four and a half star match. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, um, it increases the multiplier along with, you know, your alignment. Like if you, uh, fucking take out the ref, even if it's accidentally, like you totally lose face points for that and your yeah. multiplier drops way down to like, you know, 0.25 instead of what I regularly get, which is about a 1.25. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you spend that currency on um, increasing your own attributes, and then also you can buy new move sets, um, the A, B, and C grade move sets and whatnot. So I've kind of been—I haven't really bought any of the B and C ones. I've been saving up so until I can afford the A grade. Uh, <laughs> so my finisher is now officially a Stone Cold Stunner. Nice. And uh, I have a, a GTS um, Go to Sleep, uh, which was uh, one of CM Punk's moves. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty badass. You put them up on your shoulders drop them knee them in the face and then when they're like crouched down like you turn around and kick them in the face oh wow um and then sometimes like depending on on where i'm at in the ring like i'll actually run all the way off the ropes and come back and kick him in the face oh instead nice of just the, the, the normal spin kick so um yeah it's pretty fun yeah 2K17 having... actually i hadn't played wrestling games for a really long time and i only briefly played played it you know uh before um but i'm impressed with like all the shit you can do now it's not cheap necessarily but i would highly unless unless she bought him like the the deluxe edition which she probably didn't because i think i don't think you can get the deluxe edition other than a digital download um i doubt it It, you should 30 bucks you should get the season pass to go with it i'll have to look into it you get more character packs you get the um, hall of fame showcase matches which unlock other characters um as well the only one it doesn't come with is the um i think the nxt futures pack which only has three characters only one of which i'm tangentially interested in is and that's shinsuke nakamura the other two are nia Jax and um like orlando jordan or whatever his name is yeah i mean he's 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 a smackdown guy i think but okay um anyway um but you get a lot of cool characters with the season pass uh packs you get the legends pack and all that kind of stuff um, and I spent two bucks and got the Goldberg pack too, because I wanted the because uh, you can only be Goldberg <laughs> if you buy the two dollar pack. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, it's two bucks, but you get two. I think it was two bucks. Um, you get two Goldberg um, outfits, and you get the WCW Halloween Havoc ring as well as one other ring. I forget which arena it is, but nice. Okay, so it's been two weeks. It has been. So what's been going on? I mean. Me becoming the NXT champ, mostly. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. That is, no. Um, shit. I watched Bryce play some baseball uh, on Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, Double header in the in the heat. I'm still a little bit burnt from it. Yeah. Um, it's hot. Just, just folks, it's it's currently a hundred fucking degrees. Uh, well, it's probably not anymore. It's probably cooled down to it, a nice, crisp, you know, eighty five or something a, like a, that. A balmy. Yeah. But it was 100 degrees today, and it, it just sucks. We're, we're Oregonians. We're in the Willamette Valley. We do not like the heat. This is this is just the antithesis of being. So uh, it sucks. It Have sucks we mentioned that it's fucking June as we record this? Like, it's not. Uh, the, June is not 100 degree month. It should like, be. It's not supposed to be. I just. The climate, climate change is real, folks. Climate change is real. We shouldn't have got it now in Paris. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I bought a house. I mean, we you talked did. about that off air, but I just thought I'd mention I bought a house. You that's did buy that's a house. another excuse for me uh, uh, not recording this last week because it turns out it's a lot of work buying a house. It takes a lot of shit to do that. I, they're not moved in yet, uh, but I did actually go see the new house actually uh, an hour and a half ago. We we just got back from there. 
Yeah, it was really fucking hot too. Because um, yeah, we unfortunately did not buy a house with air conditioning. We need. We said we weren't going to do that the next time we. We said the next house we go. There's no way we're not going to have air conditioning, uh, and we've done that every time we've moved. We've never had air conditioning. Which you weren't we probably counting on is the real estate market rebounding like within six months of you buying a house. Yeah, it, it's so. not great. It's not great. Um, yeah, it's probably going to bleed me dry over the long term, but we'll see. Um, all right, should we get into it? Should we get into the real the, the real news? We got a lot of news. Yeah, so. there's a lot of other stuff that's happened in the last two weeks. Yeah, we want to get into the the, the Star Wars. We want to go into the, yeah, the Star let's, Wars. Let's yeah. let's address the um, elephants that are not in the room anymore. Yeah. So um, as we were, you know, adding stuff to the show notes, it was kind of funny because the the first thing we had to add, which you know normally would be a show topic in itself, and we discuss this next thing uh, a couple or uh, a week later, but uh, they happened like you blinked, and this was like a thing. They were um, like twenty four hours apart. Yeah. Maybe. So the first piece of news that came out was that Han Solo, um, the standalone movie that's going to, of course, be a prequel uh, sort of thing, telling the story of Han Solo um, movie, lost both of its directors. Yeah. Don't really know what the backstory is there, Matt. Did you read anything on that? Um, just that there was creative differences between the studio and the and the directors. And here's the thing: I don't remember their names, but these are the guys that um gave you Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah. So what's crazy about that too is losing your directors. I mean, we're just about done with this movie. Like we're we're way late in the game to be losing the directors for yeah. this. Um, is I don't think Han Solo is coming out this year, is it? Han Solo is coming out in May of next year. Yeah, okay. So shooting's done, or shooting, I think, is pretty close to done, if it wasn't already done. I suspect now um, we'll probably have some more extensive reshoots, and we'll see what happens there, uh, because the next piece of news we have to talk about is that they found another director. They had three weeks left of shooting when they left. Yeah, so So. we're kind of insanely late in the game for them to just be deciding now that, like, they're not making the movie that they want to be making. Uh, that that's kind of crazy to me that that the directors both you know parted here. I don't know what the story is here. It says they left the project, which you know in Hollywood speak sometimes means you just got shit canned and they're being polite about it. Um, I, I forget what all else these guys have have directed, but it, I mean, and this is not a knock against what they do, um, but it's mostly been like juvenile dick and fart movies. Uh, which we don't get. Yeah, here at the Whatever He Show, we're big fans of juvenile huge, dick and fart jokes. Huge, but, um, huge. But I don't know if that really mixes well with the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting because um, there's a you know reasonable chance they're not one trick ponies or anything like that. Because that's that's the thing. A lot of the time in in Hollywood, I think um, you get guys, actors and actresses get that get typecast. Yeah. But, but I think that same thing happens with directors and writers and stuff like that too. Uh, so, anyway, still. Crazy, but on the other hand, crazy, like we three could weeks be of shooting left. We could be cruising through space, sipping on a Carillion ale, yeah, and fucking Chewy leaning over and just blowing massive farts. We could. Maybe not anymore. I mean, yeah. But. That, that was the future we could have had, but then fucking Lucasfilm or whatever had to go throw a wrench in it. Disney now. Disney probably fucked everything up. So, yeah. I mean, I think Lucasfilm as an entity still exists. It just is... It is a thing. It's, it's, sure it's under the Disney thing. umbrella now. Um, but yeah, so they went and hired some schmuck off the street who I don't even know if he's directed anything that anybody's ever heard of. Narrator. Uh, he has directed several successful films. <laughs> Um, yeah, so they got uh, Ron Howard. Uh, so that's an Arrested Development joke, if you didn't know. Uh, Ron Howard is the narrator in Arrested Development, and it's he's actually probably one of the funniest parts of the whole goddamn show. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And you're going to probably see no shortage of narrator jokes um, um, about this, but yeah. If you just crawled out from under a rock. Uh, Opie. Opie. Yeah. Opie from The Andy Griffith Show. 
Um, he was, uh, God, what, uh, Richie Cunningham from Happy Days. That's probably uh-huh. one of his, his biggest, um, known Actor, acting, acting roles. roles. Yeah. Um, but he's, he's directed a shit pot. I mean, just, just a ton of shit. Um, Apollo 13 is one of my favorite Ron Howard films. Oh, for sure. Um, um, there was a lot of jokes because he's also directed the, um, those fucking movies with, uh, that, that, that shitty writer wrote, um, with Tom Hanks, where they play, I don't fucking know what they play. I can't remember. I've seen them too. I've seen some of them. And and actually, in Seattle? Those. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to look up Ron Howard's, uh, uh, IMDb really quick. Holy fuck. IMDb with your ads. Also. Okay. Go ahead. Also, um, several years ago, not too many cause she's not that old, but. Several years ago, um, he also shot uh, Bryce Dallas Howard out of his balls. <laughs> and that is... creatively, that's probably one of my favorite things that he's done. I, I got to be honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So known for, uh, of course, Andy Griffith, Happy Days. He also did A Beautiful Mind. He was an actor in that. That's crazy. Actually, these are his actor credits. So American Graffiti. So this is kind of a come full circle moment because American Graffiti was, of course, directed by George, George Lucas. Lucas. Um, producer, we don't care about. Let's go to director because that's going to be the big. The, where, that's where the money's at. Come on, his producer credits are fuck like really goddamn yeah. long. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Actor, his actor credits are really long, man. And this is kind of crazy to me because I think now I would know him more as a director than anything. But here we are. So he has directed. I will just name the ones that are going to probably be notable, and someday I'll get back to the top because that's how far we've gone. Holy hell. Um, oh, no, we scrolled too far. Director. So we've got Angels and Demons. That's the... Uh, oh, oh, the, oh, the... Um, I, I know what you're talking about now, yeah. Yeah, the Da Vinci Code, the Da Vinci Code series. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the first one. Uh, Frost Nixon, Cinderella Man, The Missing, A Beautiful Mind, <laughs> How the Grinch Stole that. Christmas. You you enjoyed a, a little what? what? What was it again? The Da Vinci Code. I enjoyed the first one. Yeah, it was okay. It wasn't a great um, book, and it wasn't a great adaptation of the book, so whatever. Dan, Dan Brown? Is that who wrote those? Yeah, that's right. Um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Ed TV, Ransom, Apollo 13, The Paper, <laughs> Far and Away, Backdraft, Parenthood, he directed Willow. Ransom? Willow. Holy shit, dude. Willow. A new Willow. Cocoon. Uh, a new Cocoon. Splash. That I didn't know was him, but I've seen it. Yeah, Night Shift, The Time Crystal, Skyward. We're getting pretty far back here now. No, he's... Um, He's directed some money stuff. Apollo 13, though, is probably one of my, my favorite films. Holy is. hell, his director credits, I think, his director credits go back to 1969. So, yeah, he's been doing this a while. Yeah. Grand Theft Auto, uh, which I'm, I'm sure has no relation to the game, but he directed a movie called well, Grand Theft Auto. Well, fuck, when, when was um, Goddamn Happy Days? Happy Days? Happy Days, um, I'll have to scroll all the fucking way back up to Happy Days 1974 to 1984. So he was directing... Before he was Richie Cunningham. Richie Cunningham. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. Um, not something I knew. Um, so anyway, Ron Howard is now on board with uh, uh, um, the Han Solo film. And this is a big question mark for me. Um, obviously, he's a competent director. What I'm kind of curious is how much creative differences are we talking about? I would be looking out and not surprised at all by uh, news coming up soon that says, uh, you know, production schedule extended or extensive reshoots or something like that, because it just seems to me that probably what's happened is Disney is like, uh, no, we don't like the movie you're making. And so they went ahead and, and uh, you know, decided that everybody was going to leave amicably or they just said, get the fuck out and we'll not throw you under the bus about it. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see reshoots and stuff like that as they tr- sort of shift the overall tone or, you know, what the movie's going for. So, 
Gotcha. Interesting. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be surprised. It. So here's the thing. From from my perspective, this was an aggressive schedule in the first place because these Star Wars movies have been, um, obviously we're two years apart on the episodic installments. Yeah. Um, and then we're doing another one in between each of those, right? The timetable on this one was we had episode seven in December, and then we had um, Rogue One the following December. We're getting um, episode eight this December. Han Solo was a turnaround for May of the of the following year, and yep. then episode nine May of the next year. Yeah. So if we do get extended and postponed, I would I would guess for another December release at this point. If if it is if it does ha- require massive reshoots things like that, um, that's my suspicion. But we'll probably still get episode nine as long as everything goes according to plan with that one um, in May of the following well, year. I, I, you know, I guess it's a kind of a big question mark because obviously Rogue One still came out on schedule even though it, it also had you know quote unquote massive reshoots. Yeah. So um, we'll see. But I think they started we'll production how... sooner on it. Yeah, I, I you know I, I, don't I mean really we recall, we, but... we kind of had that still of of the main cast in their garb. I I want to say like a year and a half before we even had a trailer. Like we had a lot of hmm. we had some maybe not before no, maybe not that, long, that far. I, but... I I do think a year and a half probably sounds right as far as when stuff started coming out and they were shooting and stuff like that. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, first off, we're we're it's part of the 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 mouse machine. So, um. It probably will come out on time. There's little chance I think that it won't. If the mouse says you're releasing in May of 2019 or 2018, you're going to release in 2018. Yeah, in May for sure. Um, the big question mark here is like, how extensive is the movie going to change from what it was? And and uh, you know, at this point too, I, I have a relatively high uh, amount of faith that we're going to get a good movie out of it. Um, I've been very pleased with the two new new Star Wars things we've gotten so far, you know, with Rogue One and with Episode 7. Uh, and I think, you know, that, that Disney actually is capable hands for this stuff. Like, Disney does obviously know how to make movies. They don't really often make massive flops. Uh, the worst thing that I could I think we'd get out of this is sort of like a Cars, like, uh, um, you know, toy sales extravaganza sort of opportunity. But I don't even see how you really do that with Didn't a Han Solo movie. Didn't they make that fucking... Um, Ed, Edgar Rice Burroughs movie, the oh yeah the the it was called the Princess of Mars and they called it uh, that <sighs> John movie, Carter John Carter yeah yeah so yeah. which had you, have you seen it? It's not a terrible movie. I've yeah, seen it. Yeah, it's not terrible. It, the it, marketing failed that movie the, horribly. Yeah, they it just it it flopped. And they, and they spent, a name. dude, they spent like fucking 80 years making it. Like it was, they spent a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money making that uh, movie. But uh, ironically, didn't they, they say it lost the like $200,000 or $200 million or something like that at the yeah, end of the day? Yeah, something egregious. And I don't know that it actually really lost that much money, but um, it did lose a shit ton of money, uh, um, which is crazy. Cause I think if they had marketed that movie a little bit better, um, it, it probably wouldn't have done nearly as poorly as it did. Because it, it's really not a bad movie. Like, like there's there's several worse you know movies that have come out than that. But yeah, I, I think the title probably failed them a little bit too. Because like John Carter, and you're like, what who the I fuck is that? Here? Yeah, yeah. Like if you'd at least called it the Princess of Mars, like there would be some like Edgar Rice Burroughs faithfuls that were like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's a recognizable this is that thing that he did that's title. not Tarzan. Yeah, yeah, it's a recognizable title, and secondarily, um, Mars. I mean, it draws people in. So. Yeah, um because we're probably going to have to live there yeah before the end of trump's presidency 
there's a good chance we're fingers are crossed that elon will get us off this planet before then because <laughs> it doesn't look like there's gonna be much one left um so anyway yeah uh i'm fairly faithful th- or that this movie is going to turn out pretty well um i don't know it's going to be a great movie but i just i think that the worst movies that disney usually does lately are um just the worst thing i could say about them is they're mediocre um at least for the major properties like the worst thing i could say about any of the marvel movies is essentially that they're mediocre uh we've got pixar movies are the same way the worst thing i could say about um very very again very rarely with uh cars and cars 2 i could say is that they're mediocre i've really enjoyed pretty much all of the other pixar franchise movies to date um you know finding dory 2 as much as i liked finding nemo finding dory was okay but not great um so that, I think if that's the worst we're getting, I'm okay with that. But I also think that with what they've done with um, Rogue One and Episode 7 so far, I'm pretty hopeful that this is going to be at least like a 75% movie. Uh, episode 7 still gets a lot of shit because they say it's essentially a remake and stuff like that. And there is a lot of familiar plot uh, plot points from uh, Episode 4. Um, but I think that's legit like what they were going for. I give it a pass though because it was exactly like that that was his intent. They're like we're going to bring we're going to bring back this nostalgia like that that people I, yeah, have for I this franchise because you, because the prequels fucking put a knife in our backs. Yeah, I guarantee like, fucking to you. JJ didn't come out of the reviews for when the movie started coming out. He didn't come out and be like, "Oh, did you guys know this looks like uh, episode 4? Did, did did anybody did do we not notice that this the Death Star thing that's similar? No, nobody put that No, they knew that. They knew that yeah. all going into the thing. They knew that when they were writing the thing, they knew that when they were making the yeah. thing. It's JJ was very like, intentional. Hey, guess what movie I've seen? Fucking Star Wars, asshole. That's yeah. what I made. <laughs> it, yeah, it's very intentionally done that way. Number one, because you want to draw the fan base back in. And so they, they, they went intentionally familiar. And number two, because uh, I do think that by the time we get done with this trilogy, we're going to see some brilliant um, sort of mirroring uh, of previous uh, Star Wars movies, uh, even maybe tying a little bit back to overall themes and stuff like that in the prequels. But I do think that when we get through this series, we're going to think of uh, the different themes and see some similar things, especially between the OG trilogy and the new trilogy. So, um, yeah, I, that's very deliberately done and um, probably going to be really good in the long term. So, yeah, yeah, no, I'm 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 fully on board with the fact that Han Solo is probably going to be a decent movie regardless. So, yeah. Um, it's a shame that for any film to to lose its director this close to the end. Um, we've seen it though actually pretty regularly. We'll talk about another film that lost its director toward the end of it uh, here coming up soon. But yeah, um, before we get into anything else, since we're kind of we got Star Wars, we don't really have a miscellaneous topic uh, or section as much this week. I wanted to mention another movie. I actually watched a couple movies this last week. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. Um, first off, um. I, I watched the remake of Godzilla, uh, the 2014 remake. Not going to spend a ton of time on that. Um, and uh, Kong Skull Island. Not going to spend a ton of time on that, other than it is a tremendously fun movie. Like, it, it, it is. It's legitimately got um, decent action, uh, relatively decent plot. It's it's just a fun movie. And it gave me my first look at, like, what does Brie Larson have to offer in, like, an action-type role, which is important because, as we all know, she's going to be Captain Marvel. Nice. next year in Avengers um, as well as the following year in the um, Captain Marvel solo Movie. film. Yeah. Um, uh, and it gave me an opportunity to see Tom Hiddleston be something besides Loki as well. And that was fun. Yeah. Um, I cool. uh, also found out that my 13 uh, year old daughter Ems is a monster movie fan. Like we watched actually, we watched Kong first mm-hmm. um, and then 
uh, I was like, we should really watch Godzilla probably because I didn't really give it a fair chance the first time I watched it because I didn't really care that much. I still don't necessarily, but it's 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 a better movie than I gave it credit for to begin with. It's just it that your characters in it aren't really that likable. You don't really care about. Yeah, you know, I watched that movie. I remember thinking this isn't bad, but sitting here, I remember zero about it. So your I main character, your main character is is Kickass uh, slash Quicksilver from Avengers: Age of Ultron, right? Um, and he's married to Elizabeth Olsen slash, uh, you know, Wanda from Avengers: Age of Ultron in the movie. <laughs> That's excellent. I'm like they're husband and wife, but then like they're brother and sister the next year. Like it's weird. Creepy. Um. So yeah, no, we watched those. Um. Decent popcorn flicks. Kong Skull Island. Uh, Heads and Tails. The the superior of the two. Um. But the other movie I watched, me and Bryce watched it uh, last weekend. It's a movie I think we've mentioned on the show once before. Yeah, we definitely talked about it. Um, called Colossal. Uh, um, it's a it's a movie starring Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. Um, she's a drunk. Her boyfriend kicks her out of of his apartment. She moves back home to her childhood home that uh, her parents were renting out at one point in time, but is now vacant. Um, she runs into a childhood friend uh, named Oscar, played by Jason Sudeikis, who owns a bar in town. She goes to work for him. They drink every night, you know, after close. Um, and she wakes up and they start seeing news reports of this this giant kaiju monster, like, destroying parts of, of Seoul, uh, Korea. And she doesn't take her very long to figure out that it's her. Although she she's she doesn't know how yet. But it turns out there's, like, a park, kind of, that she walks through on her way home uh, from the bar a lot. And at exactly 8.05, which she's walked through a couple times, is when this thing appears and it, 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 they figure out that if they go at this, at this certain time, like she can walk into this park and like all of a sudden there's a monster. And so she starts doing like weird little things. And, um, she goes from being this crazy monster destroying the city to all of a sudden she's defending it against this robot, which turns out, um, spoilers to be Jason Sudeikis. Um, and it, and it, 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 it kind of flashes back to some childhood trauma that happened between the two of them and whatnot. Um, I'm not going to reveal the end because it's actually kind of a clever ending. Um, I'm going to make Eddie watch this at some point and I want you to remember. Yeah. Do you want to watch it? Sounds good. Yeah. I want you to remember too, when you watch it, the very last two seconds of the movie that, that, uh, Anne Hathaway is on is what got her the role. Cause she acted this out this this one scene um for god i forget his name it's nacho something or other i can't remember his last name um the director or something yeah like that. he's the director uh but she acted it out for him there's no dialogue it's just two seconds okay and and that's what won her the role i mean other than it's like anne hathaway <laughs> like knocking your door down to make your shitty indie film you know that isn't actually shitty at all it's very good yeah um nacho vigilando yeah very much an actor's movie like it is it is ridiculous on the on the acting level because it's you can describe this as somebody and they'd be like well that sounds fucking weird oh it's got legion in it too it does it does he plays the boyfriend yeah dan stevens for yeah. you guys playing the home game or david haller if you don't recognize him by the name legion yeah. <laughs> um but uh yeah Go see it. It's um, it's it's out. It's available. Um, Dude, on... this is a really fucking small film too. Three million uh-huh. is all it did at the box. Yeah. Well, it it had a very limited release. It wasn't like uh... yeah, it would have to opening weekend one hundred twenty thousand. So I think those are all Alamo Draft House too. <laughs> like... that, that that is a tiny tiny movie. Uh, um, yeah. By the the scales of 
pretty much just about everybody on this thing. Yeah, so. it, it is available on digital HD uh, for download, or you can buy the Blu-ray. It's but it, it, I recommend it. It's good. Uh, get Nacho some more work because he's he did something fantastic with this. Cool. Uh, got anything else? Or we want to move on. No, to that's the, that's uh, it. I just DC? wanted to talk about the DC? other movies that I'd, I'd seen recently before cool. we moved on. All right, let's hit up DC then. Um, we have lots of DC news this week. Uh, we're going to start off with um, Danny Elfman, actually. So, Dude. This is kind of a weird one. Uh, so this is a bittersweet. Number one, Danny Elfman coming back to DC. He's going to score Justice League is the, the piece of news we have here for you. Is fantastic. The sad part, actually, a little bit is I'm not looking forward to seeing Junkie XL go. Um, yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. I, I I think that's part of what I don't care for when it comes to the Zack Snyder. Oh, really? You don't like the score? It doesn't feel superhero to me, like because we don't have like a a, a big score, like we don't have like the. It is. You no, know, it's yeah. Um, it's it's more rocky. Like there's a soundtrack almost to these rather than a score. So, you know, I don't really um, know because I get what you're saying. But Did like, Junkie XL do anything for Suicide Squad? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Let me let me look him up. Really and, and he did the guitar riff uh, for Wonder Woman stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, we, we uh, I, I for sure dig that. So, Well, that's, 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 that's already DCs, though. So I imagine they keep that for anything Wonder Woman-ish that they need to use it for. But Yeah, so known for Man of Steel uh, music department... Let me go find some more credits because I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did some Batman versus Superman stuff too, but he, no, yeah. maybe not. It doesn't look like it. No, at least he's not credited on the soundtrack section of his composer. That's probably where the money's at. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he did Deadpool, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. So I knew he did Deadpool. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's done some work on the Justice League. We'll see what gets tossed and what doesn't. Another near and dear to our hearts, uh, Tomb Raider, the 2018 reboot. Um, he's he's the composer for that. Oh, we will talk a little bit about Tomb Raider in a little bit. The Point Break reboot, he did... Didn't watch it. Nope, neither did I. Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. That is another solid I movie. can see that, too. So, anyway... Um, it, yeah, I can, I can definitely see him having something to do with a, a, a dude attached to the back of a vehicle playing a flaming guitar <laughs> yeah so anyway I, I don't know i like junkie he he did a good work i think on um the the previous dc outings he's had that said uh getting danny elfman is like kind of getting the band back together a little bit like bringing back some familiarity with the 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 thing and don't get me wrong i don't think we're gonna hear like the you know like from the uh uh that wasn't right at all what did I just do? From uh, we, we're not gonna get like the Batman uh, a nineteen eighty nine theme popping up. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think we see that. Yeah. I think I think that was probably like we're gonna bring you back, but <laughs> but don't be shocked if we don't get some inspire inspiration from that because that's already happened. Like with the Dark Knight. Yeah. Um, just just rewind for just a minute. Like anybody that may not know, nineteen eighty nine's Batman, and of course uh, the. Uh, 91 Batman Returns, uh, those movies both were scored by Danny Elfman, and we got the Batman music that is synonymous now with not only that movie, but Batman the Animated Series that you watch as a kid yep. um, and things like that. It would be amazing if he put together an entirely original piece 
around the Batman character that then became like the new Batman anthem. Yeah. In, and, any and of it's entirely possible. If he, did, if he did anything like that for any of these characters, it would be a feat. Um, speaking of, there is a little bit of that. Uh, they, they're um, with. Did he score the Flash 1990 TV series? I have no idea. I doubt it because I think Danny would have been a little bit too big for that at that point. But um, anyway, Danny Elfman's work on uh, Batman already has been uh, is sort of worked in with Han- Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer's work in the Dark Knight trilogy. Um, there's some pieces of it where he deliberately, I think, draws from Danny Elfman's work. Um, and if you're not a music nerd, you probably won't get it. But there's a really good video that Hans did that's out there somewhere that uh, um, if I remember, I'll try to put in the show notes. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a really good video that he, that Hans Zimmer did, you know, sort of explaining some of his inspiration for that. And, um, I, I found it amazingly interesting how he sort of drew some inspiration from Danny Elfman's work. So what, what we will obviously say is Danny Elfman has done a phenomenal job of making some of the most recognizable music that we know today, especially from music and film scores. Uh, Batman being probably one of the biggest ones. He's also responsible for the Simpsons theme. So uh if you you know can't not hear that when you think of the simpsons um you're thinking of danny elfman's work um so yeah there's there's basically nobody that doesn't recognize the name even if you're not super into this nerdy you know music uh sort of composer any of this stuff there's just no way you haven't heard of him already it when i when i think of of people who score movies like obviously john williams is right up there Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Elfman is a is a very very close second. Um, Graham Ravel is is another one that I remember, and that's only because when I was a teenager, The Crow came out, and that was a huge huge fucking hit. And the score actually sold almost as many copies at the beginning as the soundtrack did because the score was so recognizable. Yeah. Um. So the score to a movie is important for he sure. Actually, did some work on. Uh, oh, that's crazy! On Avengers, Graham Ravel. No, um, or Danny, Elfman. Danny Elfman. Yes, I knew that because they he went from DC and then did some work for Marvel and then he's back with uh, with DC again. Well, um, Men in Black. Um, yep, he did a lot of the score for uh, I think all of the Men in Black movies. And he did something as well um, that may pique some of your interest. He uh, shot Jenna Elfman out of his balls several years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Um, what series was she in? God damn it, I can't remember that. Dharma and Greg. Yeah, Dharma and Greg. Yeah, Dharma. Dharma's his daughter. Yeah. So. Weird. <laughs> so, yeah, he's Mission Impossible, another big one. Yeah. The Frighteners. Um, Frighteners wasn't a gigantic movie, but I have a special uh, spot in my heart for it. It's a good, good flick. Obviously, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. That actually, when I talk about music, um, not not a whole lot of more iconic things than Nightmare Before Christmas. I'm going to interrupt for a uh, uh, paid advertisement now. Yeah. Okay, it's not paid, but um, no. I really enjoy it. Um, Eddie and I are 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 just finishing up the uh, two beers that my wife said that we we're allowed to drink tonight uh, from the six pack that she bought. <laughs> Thank you, Casey. Uh, yeah, uh, Crux Gimme Mo, not just any IPA. I think is what it's called. It's fucking delicious. It's a mouthful, but it's a delicious mouthful. Yeah. It's fucking delicious. It um, is wonderful. It was not a cheap six pack either. It was like a fucking twelve dollar six pack or something like that. Yeah. Um. Which is amazing because I came home with like a fourteen dollar twelve pack <laughs> of of other beer, but uh, yeah. no, this is delicious. Um, shout out to to Crux Brewing because yeah, damn. it's for real good. Um, 
Okay, so anyway, Danny Elfman going to score the Justice League. Uh, it's a big deal. We're looking forward to it, I think. As, as sad as I am to see Junkie XL go, uh, I'm very excited to see Danny Elfman join the flick. So Me too. I'm also not going to make it through the rest of this DC news without another beer. So Okay, deal. Okay, so next in the DC news, um, we had talked before about uh, Joss Whedon's influence over the um, whole Justice League thing. Yep. Um, did we talk about... Uh, uh, Joss Whedon, yeah, we had to have. Yeah, we talked about Joss Whedon coming in to replace Zack Snyder. Zack Snyder had to leave, unfortunately, due to a, um, a suicide in the family. Yeah. Um, we've said some not kind things about Zack Snyder's work. Obviously, uh, this is one of those tragedies that transcends whether or not we care for the things that he's done on camera. Nobody should have to go through what he's going through right now. Yeah, for um, sure. Like, so. First off, I think at this point that um and, and i think we'll we'll probably see this anyway whedon's definitely gonna have some influence over the thing yeah. you don't bring joss whedon in if you don't want him to have some influence over the thing uh but i think that this is still gonna be largely zach's baby uh well we'll see because we're gonna talk about a piece of news here but yeah I, I i still do definitely think that Zack snyder is all over the dc universe right now and that we would be sort of remiss and sort of uh uh Letting him take blame for everything that's wrong with the DCU going right at this moment. Don't get me wrong; he he's got a lot of that burden to bear. But um, that said, if if uh, everybody in his family was okay and we had gotten another mediocre movie, I think that'd probably be the best thing for everybody. So, couple couple things. Number one, this movie already was going to have more levity in it than than past installments that he's done. Um, but there's automatically going to be people that are like, oh, that's Joss Whedon's influence. Yeah. And that's not necessarily the case. That is a little bit of an, an unfortunate bit here. Like um, anything that goes right with this, they're going to be like, oh, it's a good thing they got Zack Snyder out of there because uh, Joss Whedon totally yeah. saved this project. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's entirely fair. No, it's not. Um, it's going to be really hard to be impartial about this at all. Turns out, though, that there are going to be more extensive reshoots than we had initially uh thought when when they brought joss on board uh not limited to but including a new set that joss specifically had built um which looks vaguely maybe not vaguely maybe quite a bit like the hall of justice first seen in the 1980s super friends cartoon <laughs> that's brilliant did they so. just reuse the set from uh the the flash <laughs> this last year it, no, it's different. It, <laughs> that'd be that'd be hilarious. They um, just cut that footage in. Yeah, because the 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 Star Labs. Yeah, yeah, it does. We'll the, just use that airport hangar we have. It for definitely some reason, also looks like the Hall of Justice. Totally something laboratories have all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, so that's that's encouraging. That's kind of fun to to think that we might actually like to think that maybe Bruce and Diana have put so much effort into bringing these people together. They're like, you know what? We're going to need a place where we need a headquarters. God damn it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I feel immediately better that they're bringing Joss in because Joss, we know gets these characters. We know he knows what he's doing in this regard. So, uh, uh I feel comforted by that. Um, secondarily, I do think that there's a lot of lessons they've learned from the previous films so far. Um, we've already seen that with wonder woman a little bit. Like don't, Obviously, that's Patty Jenkins's movie, um, and she obviously got to make a lot of decisions about that project. But these films at this point are uh, very much a product of the studio as well. So I, I thoroughly think that th this is probably a whole direction the DCEU is moving. Here, here's the thing. Marvel movies, for the most part, are very cookie cutter, um, with a few exceptions. Guardians is, is obviously doesn't exactly fit the same mold that a lot of them fit. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing when you're trying to build a giant, cohesive cinematic universe. Um, it's just that DC needs to kind of get that cookie cutter 
formed into the right shape before they start pressing and going. Yeah, I mean, they just, they've got to focus. Uh, DC has rightly or wrongly, I think probably now we've got enough to say wrongly, tried to do something a little bit different with their properties. Then they've, they've really tried to stray a little bit from what really makes them great. And they really haven't quite gotten the characters enough so far. Uh, Here's I think the that there's a lot of things that are moving in the right direction in that regard, though. Like, number one, Jeff Johns is now, we're getting into the part where I think starting with Wonder Woman, where Jeff Johns' influence is going to be felt. Do you, do you know where Zack's Man of Steel and and be, um, Batman versus Superman? Do you know where they would have really fit in? Great, nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety three, like the height of the grunge era, like dark, broody, <laughs> like no, seriously, like people would have eaten that shit up back then because that's that's what the overall mood was like the best music on the planet was coming out of Seattle and it was dark and it was broody and it was not the same thing that we've seen in the past. See, I just, I still think, but it would have been very much like we'd look at it now and be like, man, that's so fucking period. Like it's weird from what we've seen with Batman so far. I think they very much get how Batman works. Um, it's, it's obviously significantly different from how they did the dark Knight trilogy, um, which I don't think is wrong because I think they also showed a facet of the dark Knight. Like, I don't think the dark Knight is a perfect movie. If you're talking about character portrayal of, uh, Bruce Wayne, I'm not wearing hockey pads. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they missed some of, uh, uh, Bruce's, you know, major attributes that I think they're finally nailing down a little bit in the justice league. And the, the, where we're really talking about character problems. I think I'm mostly talking about Superman. I don't like how they've characterized Superman so far. Uh, and then the rest of what I would say about DC so far is they're focusing a little bit too much on, um, aesthetics and, and just sort of like, you know, this cool idea. We want it to be like, you know, what if there was really an alien from outer space with these powers? And don't get me wrong, that's a cool angle. I don't mind it. But it's just like they forgot to build a good movie around that. So, well, And here's the thing. Ben's taken a lot of shit about how violent his Batman was. He didn't write the goddamn movie. They No, he didn't, number one. Number two, though, we have to remember that this is a very, very um, almost Dark Knight Returns Batman. It's directly is a, inspired by the Dark Knight Returns. This like, is no a question. This is a doesn't give a fuck anymore. Bruce Wayne slash Batman. This this and, is literally a plot point, guys. Literally and, a plot point. And that movie serves as basically, or the end of the movie. Um, spoilers if you haven't seen it, but the death of Superman part at the end of the movie kind of served as his wake up call and his redemption as a person to look at the bigger picture. So you can be like, oh, well, I didn't like it because he didn't rep- represent the character because Batman doesn't kill. Well, you know what? This Batman didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like- See, <laughs> this is the same thing that people complain about Man of Steel with. Like, I remember getting into a Twitter fight over Man of Steel um, because everybody was like, oh, no, Superman wouldn't do that. He wouldn't let that much damage come to the city. And I was like, Superman has been Superman for all of five fucking minutes in this movie. He doesn't know how to do jack shit. He's going up against Zod, who, like, I think it's Feora says something like, uh, you know, like, you're a farm boy from Kansas, and I've been training for this my whole life. Yeah. Superman should do nothing but get wrecked. The only advantage he has here is that he's literally just got a, a ten minutes more practice with his powers than any of the other. Yeah, he's Kryptonians had his powers do. for longer. So yeah, so um, that part didn't bother me. What the only thing I said, and and I remember saying this even back then, even in this Twitter fight years before we started the show, I said, um, yeah, you know what, that sucks. And if they don't address it in the next movie, I'll be kind of pissed off. And then you know what? 
that was the major fucking plot point for the next movie. Um, yep. So it, it, this is the same thing with Batman. I can't get mad that he's killing guys. When I saw that, I was like, whoa, they're going a really bold fucking direction with this. Um, and it, and they, they really were showing that on screen. They, they deliberately showed that on screen. He starts off Brandon, the dude. At the end of the movie, he doesn't brown Lex, Lu- Lex Luthor, who deserved it far more than anybody else he handled. Uh, so that was a very deliberately done thing. And so getting pissed off about it is like, watch the movie because don't get me wrong there's a lot of flaws with the movie but that one wasn't one of them like that was a deliberate plot point and i guess you could say well i don't like that plot point but you know saying that like oh man batman doesn't kill well we're showing you a different batman so yeah anyway yeah with batman at least i i completely got on board with how they handled batman and how they characterized him yeah the killing was a little bit much i think if they would have stopped they, they probably shouldn't have quite gone the route with killing but the branding the branding, I thought, was a really good way to go because it sh- sort of showed, like, you know, Batman has always been absolutely brutal. Like, um, you know, previous incarnations of Batman have been like, yeah, I won't kill you. I just you're not going to walk away for, you know, the next six months and you're going to be eating through a straw for just as long. But you're going to live. Um, so this wasn't that far removed. I thought, honestly, most of the damage that Batman did as far as direct killing was almost incidental like well i didn't mean to kill him but i guess i didn't really pay too much attention to it um so yeah that 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 part you know just people i think just need to get over that because batman was probably the bright shining star in the movie for the most part the the main problems with the movie were just sheerly plot and how the movie was built so anyway whedon whedon apparently reshot some or is going to be reshooting bigger parts than we thought and again not alarmed by that at all i don't think that's anything more than business as usual I don't even think, you know, at this point, a movie, a project this big, a project that's encompassed as much of Zack Snyder's life as it has, it wouldn't really surprise me if he doesn't spend a couple of hours a day, you know, while he's gone, you know, talking with with, uh, the creative team at DC and, you know, signing off on a lot of these decisions as well. So, um, you know, I'm not, not, I don't know. My panties just aren't in a twist yet. I I, I expect that Whedon's going to have influence over the film. I expect it's going to be really super solid influence. But I'm just not ready to, you know, be like, oh, man, they're definitely tossing out all the Snyder's work. And this is definitely what we're doing here because uh, that's just not what's happening. So precisely that's that's I, I, I'm I not one of those doomsday callers that said, oh, uh, ooh, ee, they're reshooting this again. Ooh. Typically, when a movie's being reshot, it's a good thing, guys. Like it means that the studio recognizes that the product that they're about to deliver you is not Gonna, to snuff. not yeah. gonna be good enough so and you know what that i think is even becoming more of a normal thing because sometimes you write stuff down and then when you actually shoot it it doesn't work like you thought it would rogue one had massive reshoots yeah and obviously that movie turned out really fucking good one of so. those massive reshoots we got was that darth vader scene at the end that Which... fucking movie paid for itself like yeah. with that one scene like yeah 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 so um yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be good. Whedon's going to get his influence over the movie. It's still going to be, I think, primarily a Snyder flick. Uh, um, I, I do think that Whedon's influence is going to be notable in some ways. Like, I do think we're definitely, in a retrospective or in the director's commentary on the thing, we're going to hear the part where Whedon says, oh, yeah, this is this is the thing that I did, and that's going to be a piece that we all loved. Uh, but I do think that it's still largely going to be a Snyder thing, and I don't necessarily think that's going to be as bad as it has been before, mainly because... I think at this point, everybody involved realizes exactly how they fucked up with Batman versus Superman. And they're going to, you know, work that out for this movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I see nothing but good things happening uh, for this particular yeah. film. I'm, I'm pretty hyped. I was already hyped about it before Zach even left the project. 
Um, and then when you tell me that the director had to leave because of personal reasons, whatnot, you're just kind of like, well, I hope some schmuck doesn't come in and decide they're going to piss all over it and put their yeah. own brand on it. And they're like, well, Joss Whedon's going to, going to come in and finish things up. And I'm like, you know what? That's, That's all right. Cool. Yeah. Cause he's a good guy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so before we move on from the DCU and just talk more DC stuff, I wanted to talk about one more thing. That's Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins. Uh, Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins, of course, if you're not, if Jenkins isn't quite a household name for you yet, she is, of course, the directress for Wonder Woman. The, is that a thing? Directress? I don't think so. <laughs> Director, uh, of course, you know, one of the first female directors. Uh, I think actually probably the highest grossing female director at this point because um, she have Woman, to be right yeah i think it just passed 300 million this week so uh yeah. it's 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 a fucking juggernaut at this point um god i wish i remembered who put that quote up i fucking can't remember who put it up but there was there was um oh it was jewel state uh-huh um also known as kaylee from firefly yeah um she was also fucking i can't remember her the name dr chicken atlantis yeah i can't remember her name but um she put up a thing. She tweeted something that says, if you ask me what I do and I tell you I'm an actor and you correct me and say actress, don't like <laughs> <laughs> just don't basically uh, was kind of her thing because it's like just it, at this point it is what it is. Don't don't even like I'll tell you I'm an actor like yeah. it's fine. Um, so when you said directress, it was it was funny because. <laughs> You know, Jewel State would not be your friend because of that. Yeah, don't worry. I'm not mansplaining here. Like, obviously, I made up a word for funniness. But, um, um, he, yeah, I saw another quote along similar lines, which, which wasn't from anybody that I know super well. But it was sort of like, um, you know, if a woman posts a selfie online uh, and, and you think that as a man you need to comment on it, you, you don't. You just, just don't. Just stop right there. Um, they're not doing it for you. Uh, so... Anyway, Jeff Johns and Patty Jenkins are going to be collaborating on the Wonder Woman sequel. I'm super excited about that. I don't know what the process looked like for Wonder Woman. I, I assume that Jeff Johns was already a heavy collaborator on the movie. And uh, obviously, if if that's true, if my assumption there is correct, then we know that these two work well together because Wonder Woman was really awesome. And it's turning into a juggernaut. It is a juggernaut at the box office. It handily owned its opening weekend and its second week. And now we're, you know, a few weeks out and it's past its $300 million mark. So it's it's actually absolutely going to be one of the bigger movies coming out of the DCU and just in general and, and for this year. So Yeah. And I mean, we've talked about um, how she hasn't been uh, appointed as the director for the sequel yet. Um, I think we probably missed a piece of news where they're like, oh, yeah, she is. Well... I mean, I think it's kind of premature to even just be like, oh, well, they're not they're not naming her the director for the next one yet. I mean, the next one's not even done being written yet. So obviously they're going to come up with a screenplay and they're going to go through that process. Um, but she's such a big part of it at this point. I don't see why they wouldn't. I, in fact, maybe maybe we're getting that tiny little slice of utopia that we've been looking for where they just don't feel it's necessary to say she's for sure directing the next one because it. It, it's just assumed that that's a normal thing now. I hope that's the case, and I don't see any reason why it shouldn't be, except for the fact that um, Hollywood's weird, and let's face it, it's still fairly sexist. Like We talked about this, I think, in the last couple of episodes, uh, especially leading up to Wonder Woman, we were talking about, like, nobody says, oh man, that white guy, if he doesn't succeed in directing the superhero film, he will never have another female super, or a white guy-helmed superhero film again. Um, <laughs> what? What we're gonna get, what we're gonna get is DC's gonna make the announcement after after Jenkins and Johns are done with with writing the screenplay and whatnot. All the men in the boardroom are gonna be like, you know what? We need to get Joss to direct this because he really understands women. 
<laughs> That'd be amazing. I would love to see a situation in which they were like, oh, no, this man understands women better than women do. Um, well, that's that's kind of how people work, though, in Hollywood. And then, like, you'd get Josh being like, well, or Joss, be like, she she kind of gets it, too, I think. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure I have a penis and she has a vagina. So, yeah, one of us has a little bit more say in this subject. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Joss's book. He wouldn't let that happen. Um, so anyway, I, I you know Jeff Johns, Patty Jenkins. It, I hope that's true. Uh, it's fairly likely that it is. I, I don't think at this point they're going to take something that's been as massively successful and try to break up the band in any way. I'm also hoping you know since we're talking about feminism and sexism in Hollywood and stuff like that, one of the pieces of news that came out is that uh, that I don't have in the show notes and I'm not going to source because I'm lazy, but uh, that Gal Gadot only got three hundred thousand dollars for Wonder Woman. Um, and I'm pretty sure, I think that's probably true. Uh, and I can't decide if that's super sexist or not, because on the one hand, Gal Gadot prior to Wonder Woman is almost entirely unknown. Uh, she, she did the only thing else you'd probably recognize her from is fast six or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, if, if you're, you know, only claim to fame is fast six, you're probably not that famous. The thing about Gal is she is um not only uh, uh at this point an accomplished actress uh slash model she's a fucking legit commando yeah uh <laughs> she's a badass um yeah so um, here's here's the thing though uh, uh, on her salary though this is kind of how these pictures work marvel does it too the people that are involved with marvel unless your name is downey jr um <laughs> yeah you usually take a smaller payday because you're contracted to do well, so many movies over the course of however many years. Initially you do. Yeah. Um, so what what I will say this is if she's not making in the several million for Wonder Woman 2, we can gather our pitchforks and go after them because that won't make any sense. They better pay her 20 million. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying after this, she number one, you can't replace her right this second. Is, is 20 million fair these days i don't remember i remember when it was a big deal it's but... a, it is 20 million still a big deal okay. um so but i'm just saying like th this is definitely a movie she should be getting you know in the millions for um uh, you know she... and you probably owe her a piece on the back end that's all i'm saying and that would that would, the, the other big question mark here is is she getting a piece on the back end for wonder woman number one uh, in any way uh, because that will be end up being significant at this point that, that's gonna yeah. be a huge deal um so yeah, uh, I, I'm not outraged yet. That that does seem really low. That's a lot less than I would have expected. I remember seeing what um it's what Chris also, Evans made for uh, Captain America, yeah. the first one, and then the Avengers the first time, and it it wasn't much. Yeah, like it it just Downey Jr. made more than the rest of them all combined for yeah. Avengers. Yeah, for uh, sure. But uh, but yeah, I know I get what you're saying. Like they definitely owe her. Um, it's like a rookie in football. Like you can't make more than a certain amount your rookie season, but then after that, you kind of renegotiate and be like, "Well, you know, we kind of want a Super Bowl and shit." So, yeah, and so I think that's the way this is going to go too. I think when she comes to the table to negotiate salaries for Wonder Woman two, um, and probably it's already a done deal for Justice League. But if it's not, then I think that obviously she's she's going to have that big Wonder Woman dick just flop on the table and and uh really like put it over that she's worth paying a whole ton more so honestly um, i hope other people like scar joe and shit like that start taking notice and just being like you know what fuck this like well you know see it's interesting because at this point 
ScarJo really probably should have had her own movie. And I think for a lot of reasons endemic to Hollywood and, and the whole, you know, like we can't have a female protagonist and blah, blah, blah. They haven't given her one. It's it's a shame because I think that a, a, um, a Black Widow movie would be amazing. Uh, but I, I suspect that she wouldn't take as big of a payday either. But I also think that that's not relative to a little bit relative to her star power. She's not necessarily a I'll go see the movie just because she's in it as um, what was that fucking movie called? Lucy. Lucy, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that piece of shit. Yeah, it, it fucking flopped. And that's with Scarlett Johansson in the thing. So um, I don't think she's like a, you know, like Tom Cruise where he just walks on the set and they have to give him five million Ghost in the Shell was really a case of, of absolute fucking whitewashing, though. Like that's like people oh. say, well, this doesn't exist in Hollywood. Well, there's your example right there. Like they that, pretty much that got movie was so whitewashed. Wrong. It was from, ridiculous. From what I understand, they pretty much got everything wrong about that movie. But yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So um, anyway. I, I do hope, though, that that's a good um, number one. We've now got a, a pretty solid track record moving that, that this bullshit about like little boys won't go see, you know, uh, girl movies. Uh, they totally will. Uh, otherwise, yeah. Ray wouldn't be as big a deal as she is right now, nor would Wonder Woman, nor would, you know, several other you know major films um, that have featured women protagonists in the last few years. Um, I'm, I'm see. That's the thing is. And, and somebody posted a meme the other day about um, Wonder Woman and it was like a. Um, you know, talking about the first, uh, you know, female protagonist and whatnot, and then there was like all these pictures of like Ray and and fucking Buffy and shit like that, and they're yeah. like, ah, oh, excuse me, and I kind of get the point, but the other side of it too is like, we're talking huge commercial success right now. Yeah, like this is it's not been done on this scale yet. Buffy was amazing, and except a lo- for maybe and, Star Wars. Star Wars probably had it well yeah but Star Wars was going to get that whether Ray was in it or not. That's it just so point. happens to be that Ray was an excellent excellent fucking protagonist like um yeah and going into it we were kind of led to believe that the story like the the controversial bit was that we we might we might have thought we might have seen luke a little bit more in the movie too but (laughs) (laughs) so 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 did mark hamill (laughs) but um again not not bashing episode seven because i really enjoyed that movie and uh uh daisy ridley was fucking amazing and awesome but it wasn't a movie that was like you this movie is female. You could have two kids standing driven. on their shoulders with a trench coat, and they would we would have gone aside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but Wonder Woman, like we had no other expectation than this is a movie about a girl superhero. Yeah, and even given that little boys flocked to see it, grown men flocked to see it. Some of us twice. twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's it's an amazing movie. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's moving off a piece of not show note topic, but um, yeah. Gal- if if Gal Gadot doesn't get paid paid very well from one woman two and going forward from here, yeah, I'll be pretty upset because at this point, um, she's a known quantity and we know she's produced amazing results with Wonder Woman, or she's been part of a team that's produced amazing re- results. Same thing too. Uh, I would be really interested to see what Patty Jenkins take home looks like. Uh, both uh, compared to directors that started off in the same place, like Patty Jenkins being, uh, she was a question mark for more than just uh, being a female, you know, like we shouldn't really be questioning her just because she's a female director, but that was obviously something that Hollywood considered. Uh, but she was a question mark because she's never done anything like this before. So um, she almost, almost got a shot at Thor. Yeah. So, it which, be- which now I'm thinking about it and I've seen Wonder Woman. And I'm like, man, could you she imagine? Like, I really- might remember what Thor the Dark World was about had she directed it. <laughs> Hopefully. Um, 
So anyway, if I'll, I'll be pissed if for some reason, you know, both of these ladies don't make a ton more money on the next the next one, because now we know that they can do it. And there's no reason why, like, they've got just as big of a char- bargaining chip as any, you know, male uh, um, dude coming off the same thing. She so. she gave she gave DC a license to print money like you. You literally throw the the gold tiara and and a fucking blue and red unitard on something and it'll sell now uh yeah i i I totally wouldn't be surprised if we don't see a huge uptick like this is the first time i think i've ever seen wonder woman toys in stores uh wonder woman's been a part of the dc trinity for the last 36 40 50 years they had some following bvs because the action figure that we that we did the show with last time was was from the bvs series but but i mean prior even prior to bvs like it just there's a market for this stuff like i don't, I don't know how that we still think that there that the world which is you know predominantly female i think it's something like 51 percent of the planet is female and still people are like oh that we can't we couldn't possibly sell a girl toy who would buy a girl toy yeah yeah we say this as we're staring at at my brand new funko pop vinyl uh wonder woman from the movie uh action figure yeah that uh that eddie brought me over yeah, he needed. There's uh, well, there's, there's not really space on the shelf. There's anymore, no DC up there though. There no. There, there's going to be space. So, so you got uh, you got Diana representing the whole DCU right now, which is pretty much that's pretty much how. I mean, that's a good metaphor I right mean, there. Yeah, look at that. Like that's 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 life representing art. Like there's no DC Funko Pops up there right now. Wonder Woman is is my only one that I have. So yeah. Okay, so the last piece of DC news. Um, this is actually kind of a little bit old news now. I think this happened um, about a week and a half ago. Uh, but that is um, ba- the the bat signal. Actually, in LA, uh, they decided to shine the bat signal uh, in honor of Adam West, and they did it, and it was totally cool. So I just wanted to mention that on the show because um, we were we were both bummed about Adam's passing, and I thought this is a perfect way to honor him. Um, and it was really rad. So there's pictures in the thing uh, in the show notes. You should check them out. Quickly, Robin. To the, the Batcave. Bat cave. Yeah. Come on, old chum. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to Marvel now. Um, first piece of Marvel news. Um, you know, fresh <laughs> off the success of Fantastic Four, Marvel's like, and these guys. X-Men The Last Stand. And X-Men The Last Stand. They were like, man, how can we get a better writer to handle this project? They, let's have them do Dark Phoenix. Let's let's give it to Simon Kenberg because he's done good things. Yeah. So okay, I just want to pause for a second. X Men: The Last Stand, for lots of reasons, is my least favorite of the X movies so far. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I think objectively, Wolverine is probably worse. Um, uh, the X Men Origins version. Yeah. Not the Wolverine. Not the Wolverine. Ro- yeah. Although Origins. it had it had a couple flaws too. Origins. Silver is, Samurai. I'm looking at you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Origins is probably objectively the worst, but The Last Stand was my least favorite, mainly because the Dark Phoenix saga is one of my favorite storylines of all X Men time, mm-hmm. and uh, they totally just fucked the dog for um, The Last Stand. <laughs> they fucked the dog while jumping the shark. Yeah, they did. It was an impressive display of acrobatic uh, dickery. Um, so they they managed to screw that up so bad it pissed me off so much. So there's a lot of crazy things about that. Number one, that they're getting the guy who's kind of uh, responsible for that to do the same thing again. That's amazing. I guess he's he's just like, please guys, I need a mulligan. I can do better. I hope that's this. I hope that's the case. I hope he's somewhere just begging, just blowing whoever will walk into the room so he can have a chance to to 
right his wrongs uh, or this is like you know what actually i hope this is i hope this is quantum leap i hope that's actually like he's like uh like he says there's a 37 actually dr sam beckett movie yeah yeah <laughs> if you don't if you don't uh you know write this movie well the world's gonna end or something like that um i hope that's the case but <laughs> i'm impressed oh. <laughs> um yeah, so I'm really hoping this is a quantum leap situation, and it's actually Dr. Sam Beckett writing this movie, because I think he's got a better shot at this than uh, this guy does. Either uh, that, or the Phoenix Force is going to be like something that just lives in Scott Summers' semen, and that's... I, I don't know. It's he's just, he's just like, nope, you, you guys thought it was bad the first time? Fuck you. Here's, no, like, here's what we're doing now. I, I think what's going to happen is we're going to get to uh, the, the, the middle of the second act, and there, Scott Summers is randomly going to be dead again, because why not? <laughs> Um, <laughs> with with just his visor floating in the air for no yeah. fucking reason. <laughs> yeah. So they also got the guy. I mean, he also wrote Fantastic Four. I mean, just you haven't even seen that pile of shit, have you? I haven't. I can't bring myself to watch it. There's dude, been dude, zero. You have redeeming. to watch it at least once. There's been zero redeeming. Like nobody, zero people have been like, oh, it's not so. It's not so bad. Everybody's like, it's no, a, it's terrible. It's a dog shit movie, and just I wish I could get my two hours back. I mean, it's not terrible for the racist reasons that a lot of people say, and that's because well, Johnny Storm ain't black. Oh yeah, uh, I didn't care about that at all. I just no. If that was your criticism of the movie, just go fuck yourself. Yeah, don't just don't watch movies anymore. Cause, yeah, because guess what? There's black people in them. Yeah, there are occasionally, just like in real life, unfortunately. Uh, no, not unfortunately. Not unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Did I step in that one? No, that, I mean. Unfortunately for you, pal. Unfortunately yeah. for you. Sorry. I, I knew what you meant. I knew yeah. what you meant. Not not being deeply racist or anything. No, we don't even have Bryce on the show this week. Come on. No, man. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to make sure nobody forgets. You want to take right. a shot at the Jews next? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think history is doing a fine job of that itself. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah. Um, so um, here's the thing. Like he, Simon Kinberg was a screenplay writer, I think, on those movies, though. Like He hasn't really directed a ton. Fan four stick. God damn it. Yeah, uh, so, I don't know, we could see. I mean, I'm I'm checking his IMDb right now because I want to be wrong, and I'm hoping that it turns out he's got, like, lots of other projects that are totally good that redeem him for stuff, uh, but holy balls, man. Um, he what's doesn't. his name, Kinsberg? Simon Kinberg. Kinberg. I think the article has a Kinberg. little little piece of what he's Kinberg. done. Um, producer, X-Men Days of Futures Past. Okay, so I'll give him a little bit. Yeah, he did produce that. Um, all right, so let's let's run through his known for X-Men Days of Futures Past producer, X-Men Apocalypse producer, Sherlock Holmes writer, X-Men The Last Stand writer. Um, like the Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, producer on Logan. Ooh, executive producer, producer on Star Wars Rebels. Executive producer on Legion. Ooh, I don't know. Actually, this is... This is uh, looking better, this maybe? Is, this is looking better. This is looking better. Um, it's just... Man, I think they must have been deliberately trying to throw him under the bus with this headline a little bit. Um, oh, yeah, don't get me wrong; he's do. still responsible for he's still he's still a big piece of uh, X Men, uh, The Last Stand, and and uh, Fan Four Stick. So yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Uh, producer on Murder on the Orient Express, which isn't even out yet. The Gifted, which isn't out yet. That's that's another X Men franchise. Producer, in oh, case you yeah, were we wondering about that. Yeah. Uh, producer on Deadpool, producer on Cinderella, producer on Chappie. Okay, I, I think we've kind of run through the list. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to cut you off, but I'm going to cut no, no, you no. off there. Yeah, we we don't need to go through all of them. So anyway, uh, maybe he's not as bad as we thought. At least he's a known uh, good producer. He's done a lot of things that are are good. 
Um, but Jesus, uh, please, please. I'm All just, right. I'm just really afraid because Last Stand, just terrible. I'm not sure anybody that's ever made that movie or been a part of that movie should be allowed near uh, uh, anything to do with a camera again. Um, so we'll see. All right. So here's the deal. If you think you kind of stepped in it a little bit with your tangentially racist remark a few minutes ago. My bad. I apologize. There's, there's, I worded things incorrectly stepping in it. And then there's Amy Pascal giving an interview with Kevin Feige stepping in it. Really? And this is, this is probably the biggest news out of the Marvel camp, uh, this, this last week. And that is, at an interview somewhere, I don't remember where it was. Oh, this isn't necessarily racist stepping in it. This is just 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 really stepping in it. In there, just yeah. really fucking just finding the biggest pile of shit you can find and sticking your leg in it up to your knee. <laughs> yes. Um. So Feige and Pascal were giving this interview. For those of you not familiar, Kevin Feige, of course, is the the go to guy for all things MCU. Yeah, he's. I don't know what his title is. He's like the MCU executive are, producer yeah. of everything. I think. Yeah, he's just nothing gets done without feige's approval right. yeah he's he's essentially the showrunner for the mcu yeah basically actually that's a fantastic metaphor yeah fantastic way to look at it um amy pascal is a producer at sony studios um feige and, and pascal well, have at least right now been we'll having yeah for for the time being um they've been having to work together pretty closely ever since the spider-man uh handshake happened uh recently she was asked if the black cat and venom were going to be connected to the Tom Holland Spider-Man. And she just flat out was like, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> and they're like, so there's a chance we could see Tom Holland in these movies. And she's like, there's a chance. And Feige does one of the craziest fucking spit takes I've ever seen in my life. Like if, if you watch the video of him, it's just him going. Weren't supposed to say that. Weren't supposed to say that. Yeah, back because, off, back off, back off. Because Feige has been asked the same question over the last couple of weeks, and he's not necessarily outright denied it. He's just saying that isn't the plan at this time. Yeah. Uh, um. So there's only a couple of ways to interpret this. Number one is that uh, that's just bullshit. She's just saying things because now it's on the record, and there, she's hoping that uh, by being ballsy, she can actually make it happen. Um. The other option is that they're just breaking, you know, like no one talks about Fight Club. You don't tell what people, you know, what you're going to do for your movie until it's a foregone thing you're allowed to say. Uh, so there's that possibility as well. Either way. Wow. Uh, so so the thing about Sony is they still technically own Spider-Man. So the agreement that do. they have with, with Marvel at this point in time, it's kind of theirs to take back whenever they want to. Um. It would be in poor taste to do that. Not only would it be in poor taste, probably it would be a terrible, terrible fucking decision for them to make, given the juice that they're getting from Marvel. Um, and, you know, with Homecoming coming up, if it's if it's successful, that's a lot of juice, but it's nothing compared to what you do if you stay in that partnership long term and just let that thing go. Um it's kind of like a wrestling program where, like, you don't necessarily want Brock Lesnar to come in and pin Stone Cold Steve Austin in a TV match for no reason one week. Like, that's something that you make money off of later on down the road, and it pays off at a pay per view. <laughs> yeah, um, um, it, it's a little that's a relatively big piece of news to be dropping, especially like if Feige doesn't know that that piece of news is coming out. That's probably indicative of the fact that it shouldn't be coming out yet. Here, here's my here's my take on it, and this is this is well, it's not my take, but. It's the theory that I prefer and that I hope is 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 the correct one. So 
it's been speculated for several months now that one of the post credit scenes we're going to get in Infinity War is a shot of the symbiote. Yeah. Um, it's my hope that the reason that Feige has been like, that's not the plan right now was because he's trying to protect that, that piece of, of information so that it's actually meaningful when it happens on screen. Um, and then you've got Pascal, of course, just going like, well, oh, yeah, oh, yep, yep. That's, that's a thing, you know? Um, yeah, that's my best Amy Pascal. I, I assume that's exactly what she yeah. sounds like. Uh, so that's kind of one of those things where it's like, yeah, did she just cross their bottom line or is she just so fucking like she's seeing the writing on the wall and like everybody loves Spider-Man now that he's that of these back where he belongs that she's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, totally, totally. Yep. They're related. Yep. Yeah. See, I don't know. Either way, like either way, I think it's probably pretty likely she fucked up. Like it doesn't really matter whether it's a, a you know, just like a ballsy step for her or it's like a you just said something you weren't supposed to. Either way, it's like uh, you probably shouldn't have said it. Like, um, let's face it, all the cards are pretty much in Marvel's hand. Yeah, you could take Spider-Man back at this point. You are not going to be beneficial benefited from that. Like, don't get a big piece of juice that the Spider-Man movie is getting right now is the fact that the trailers have Robert Downey Jr. in them. So if you take that away, you're going to lose that from, from Marvel, and you're going to lose a lot of what's uh, bringing juice to your property right and now. And Marvel's so. still going to keep making money. They still are. And at some point, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm pretty sure at some point Marvel's just going to be like, you know what? Uh, I don't know if you guys have met my my big brother here, Disney. He says we want Spider-Man back, so give it back. And they're going to be like, well, we want $200 million. And they're like, oh, yeah, fine. We were prepared to pay, you know, $3 billion or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it, it's... Uh, it's definitely a thing that's going to happen. And just if you're Sony, you want to kind of keep things amicable because uh, Marvel's properties are going to juice your properties in a way that you haven't been able to do on your own. And uh, they're actually helping you make coherent films. We'll see. Maybe Homecoming sucks, but uh, it, it's more likely that Marvel is going to be helping them make coherent films that are actually really regarded as good. Uh, so, yeah, Amy Pascal. Uh, good luck. I, I don't know. Um, all right. Let's talk TV. Um we have a few pieces of TV news. Number one, I, I threw this in the show. You're watching Sherlock. Um, I don't know if you know this too, but Sherlock creators, I think Moffat was in charge of a... Um, Moffat's obviously in charge of Doctor Who right now. He does mm -hmm. Sherlock as well. Uh, Gaddis is also uh, related to Sherlock. He's written some episodes for it. He's actually even guest starred in some Sherlock episodes. Uh, he's also in charge in one of the main writers, I think, on uh, Sherlock. Um they they also did a property um what's it called jekyll they did jekyll together okay um i think that was only a six uh episode limited series so of bbc i assume yeah or maybe seven might have been seven anyway they only did seven seven episodes or six episodes something like that but it was a really good property too um anyway they, they've decided they're gonna do dracula um i'm excited about this actually it seems like it's gonna be a lot of fun i think it'll be good um the, these guys um somewhat divisive especially for doctor who stuff like and this last season of sherlock don't get, i haven't really you know i haven't even finished because i watched the first episode of this season and i just didn't care about it of uh, what uh sherlock oh um, see i haven't gotten that I, i'm not quite so that far that's, yet but that's series four um 
And I'm I watched, still on series three. Yeah, I watched the first episode of series four, and I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't care. And then I kind of forgot about it, and I really haven't even finished it. So that's kind of where we're at. Uh, Doctor Who, I actually am really enjoying Doctor Who right now. Um, but Moffat is, um, amongst the Who fandom, uh, Moffat is a little bit divisive. A lot of people are, like, ready for him to go and want to see something else. That said, a lot of people really, really miss Russell T. Davies' era. And there's I miss some of it, but there are some episodes that literally I cannot stand during his era. And I don't quite think... There's as many episodes during the Moffat era that I just don't like at all. Um, so anyway, um, um, yeah, I haven't seen a ton of Doctor Who uh, recently. In fact, I'm I'm I kind of I've seen an episode or two with Capaldi in it, and I really enjoy Capaldi. Um, but I've been trying not to watch it just because I I left off, I think midway through Tenant's last season. Yeah, on the show, and I haven't seen any of the Matt Smith stuff yet, so I'm kind of. Eventually, I'll get back to it. Uh, I've got a lot of shit that I haven't watched though that I'm trying to trying to keep up. <laughs> We're I, gonna come back to that, I'm sure. Yeah, I did make a commitment to Eddie that I would try and and, and get Game of Thrones under my belt before the the new season starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll make it, but I'll I'll give it the old college try. Yeah, um, you don't Community necessarily college. need to get caught up. Just just go for it because I think what um. There comes a part where at some point, you know, for a lot of people, that's episode one. For me, that was probably definitely episode one. But you get really addicted really quickly. So, and, and it is amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, especially if you want to binge watch it. There, there, it's probably even better to binge watch. So, um, anyway, Sherlock's gonna Sherlock creators are gonna do a Dracula TV series. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. That that sounds pretty good. I think they'll do justice to the character and they'll probably put a new and interesting spin on it. Uh, it and that should be fun too. They've done that with Jekyll. They've done that, done that with Sherlock now. Um, you know, obviously they've already done successful things with Doctor Who as well, so should be cool. Next up, let's move to the HBO universe and the TV. Uh, I have this is actually probably one of the bigger bombshells. Uh, I think Watchmen TV series from Damon Lindelof in the works at HBO. Yeah, take my so, money now. Take it. You can have it. I just sign me up. I'll give you all the monies. Uh, so Lindelof is famous for Lost. Uh, a little TV show some people might have watched. Uh, and also, he's also uh, uh, in charge of the very well-regarded uh, Leftovers series on HBO. Um, so, yeah, just please make this happen. Oh, first off, a Watchmen TV series sounds phenomenal. There's a lot of things you could do with a Watchmen TV series. In fact, that, that sounds amazing. Um, obviously, I don't think it would be a direct adaptation of the book. But doing something in the Watchmen universe sounds fantastic. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm super, super, super excited about that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things you can do with that that property. Uh, Zack Snyder was actually uh, attached to it as recently as 2015, but apparently that is that has also gone by the wayside. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I obviously Snyder's got a lot going on with his personal life and with you know the Justice League and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong; he probably split his time a little bit, but sure. Um. Just, man, uh, number one, that HBO is considering, like, just who gives a shit about Lindelof? Uh, uh, HBO, considering working on a Watchmen TV series, is fucking amazing. Like, th- that, there's so much potential with that sort of a pairing, I, I just don't even know where to begin. I mean, yeah. as a comic book property, it's the perfect fit for HBO. It's going to be, you know, a little grittier, a little bit darker. Uh, I would assume, anyway. I guess they could do something different, which would be, you know, sort of the antithesis of the book, which would be really weird for HBO to do. But I think that that's probably the way they're going to go. And I think it's probably going to be fairly well amazing. So, um, yeah, just 
yes sign me up sign me up give me here's all my money at least what's left over because after watching the game of thrones season seven trailer two uh, i'm not sure that i i can't throw money at hbo faster um i was watching this and i'm not going to go into real detail because obviously matt needs to catch up and wants to watch it and i don't want to spoil everything for him um but the the big thing i will say there's a few things actually number one this series, I think, has the potential to have one of the biggest payoffs in all of television. Um, we've been watching several years of ramping up a story in incredibly subtle ways that you'll only, I think, see once you get the big picture. So there's there's that aspect of things. Number two is when you watch this, it looks like you're watching a trailer for whatever the next big major movie is, except for this is seven episodes that are around 80 minutes in length. So it's like you're watching a trailer for the next major blockbuster movie that also happens to be 10 hours long. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm so on board for this. Obviously I'm a huge game of Thrones fan and, and there's a lot of us out there, uh, but just what they're doing with this and the amount that HBO is really going to bat for this series you know, uh, we talked. I think we talked about this on the show when the the episode aired. But the Battle of the Bastards episode, which is uh, episode nine of season six, cost something like twenty million dollars to make, which puts it in the realm of like that. That's a that's a pretty decent sized movie budget. Um, yeah. So, fantastically expensive show uh, to to make, and now we're getting into season seven, and nothing from the trailers leads me to believe that it's going to be any cheaper or less awesome. So, uh, I cannot get more hyped for season seven yeah i'm sure by the time i get there i'll i'll feel the same way i hope so because it's so <laughs> good um all right so last piece of news uh last thing we're gonna close out the show with um we got a little wwe stuff in there actually um, let's let's I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna talk real briefly before we get to this piece of news um we did not watch the money in the bank pay-per-view last week no we totally didn't I actually haven't watched it myself yet either. However, neither have I. I have. I've heard some uh, some stuff. Yeah, there's been some spoilers out there and whatnot. Um, just we're not current on the product by any means, but you can't. I mean, if you if you're on Reddit and you even glance at the squared circle subreddit, like you're gonna get some things spoiled, which I do, and it's uh, really hard not to because there's like a couple of decisions there that people got really pissed off about. Yeah, so the Money in the Bank match uh, with the female Money in the Bank match uh, being Most first especially. and foremost, um, James Ellsworth is apparently the uh, female Money in the Bank winner. <laughs> okay, so I want to briefly... <laughs> somebody got this really, really right on Reddit, I think. Um, people bitch and bitch and bitch that uh, there's no good heels anymore because when when you have a good heel, the audience boos because they legit hate them. Like, AJ, AJ, I love AJ. He's not a great heel because the audience friggin' loves him. Because he's, he puts on a show. Like, he is... Like, if you think about what Shawn Michaels built his reputation on, which is he's the showstopper. He is Mr. WrestleMania. He's this, he's that, he's the, ever, he's the other thing. This is what AJ Styles has evolved into. Like, he is the guy that, like, you're like, well, we need a good match that we can put this mop handle in. Put him with AJ. Yeah, exactly. Um, so AJ, AJ just gets over with a crowd. Nobody's going to boo AJ. The, the, he, he'd have to honestly murder a baby in the ring uh, uh, and throw the carcass. And even the then, audience. if he did it with a Pele kick, he'd still get a pop. <laughs> he still would. So um, AJ's not a great heel. Uh, you know, he, he don't get me wrong. It's nothing that's at fault with AJ. He's too awesome to be a great heel. AJ was actually a great heel when he was still in the same show with um, the club. Uh, Anderson and Gallows mm -hmm. because they were the Bullet Club. 
uh, gotcha. in New Japan. And he would regularly have the club interfere and run interference on his behalf, which lends to the credibility of your heel. Yeah. But, so, but mean, AJ currently doesn't have to take an unfair advantage to beat his opponent. He's just of, that good. And they're also kind of running him as a tweener. So anyway, the big complaint about the product today is that there's no good heels. And mainly because they... You know, the the guys that everybody likes, which, you know, like AJ falls into that category, they won't go ballsy enough to actually run him as a heel. They're running him as a kind of a tweener. Uh, and so you got a lot of that going on. So this is actually interesting uh, because the the crowd legit booed. Like, that's obviously what they were trying to do. This is a very big heel move. It's just insane to me that they're using El- Ellsworth for that. I You know, for a guy who didn't have a job with the company... Uh, before they got, they brought him in as enhancement talent to uh, to lay down for Braun Strowman. Yeah. To now, all of a sudden, now he is what he is, and and he has a regular weekly job. Like, I I have mixed feelings about it. Number one, a Money in the Bank match is a ladder match. No DQ is kind of implied with yeah. that. So, given the given that it is a no DQ, I mean. I, I can see this as being a viable a viable option. I don't know that if I was producing or if I was if I was part of creative that I would have really been on board with the idea. Um, but I don't think as an audience that we can really bitch because they exercised a loophole that actually makes perfect sense given the structure of the match. Yeah, um, I don't particularly like this move either. Um, I just I think this is this the first women's money in the bank. Yes. Yeah. So that's why I don't like it. Um, mainly because this is a perfect move to do, but I don't think that that's a way to go with the first women's money in the bank. I think, I mean, I don't know that I necessarily would just hand it to Charlotte, but <sighs> no. Charlotte is part of that roster and she's a, an extremely viable fucking winner for that. Well, just having a, a man win the first women's money in the bank is ridiculous. Uh, Yes. So that and don't get me wrong, that's one of the reasons it drew so such heavy boos. Now I have not watched the match, so I don't know how it actually ended. I imagine he waited till everybody was distracted and scampered up and got it. Uh, almost certainly. Like there's you almost know, no way that is not what happened. So it's it's not like they like they had a dude show up and just lay waste to all the women and then yeah I mean just still the the whole thing is a little bit of an affront to good taste which don't get me wrong I I mean they they knew there's no way they didn't write this and they're like they were like oh yeah people are gonna dig this they knew it was gonna drop booze yeah. I just I don't think that uh, I don't know I just don't like it number one I don't really care for Ellsworth at all um maybe I liked, that's what makes him a good I liked good, his good angle guy. I liked his angle with AJ Styles and Dean Ambrose like the the comic relief that he provided for that particular uh run yeah that wasn't too bad i i appreciated it's just then you're like well what do we do with him well stick him with carmella because nobody likes her either so yeah so um i don't know i i, I don't particularly like that on the other hand i do want to say that it, it is a fantastically good heel for that a heel move for that like if i were there i'd be booing the shit out of that yeah uh and and that's what they were trying to do so on on the on the other hand it succeeds and like that is a you know a product move you want to you want a good heel you want the crew to uh, crowd to boo a good heel um so it's interesting though that they can't do that with anybody you know that actually matters rather than you know doing it with like a, yeah. a secondary talent like Ellsworth mission you know, he's accomplished not, he's not a wrestler you know so yeah well he is but he's actually a promoter he has his own oh really yeah that's funny but uh it's yeah there's that um Roman Reigns delivered a very, very heel-like promo. That's interesting. Uh, recently. Um, 
but kind of did that a little bit when he was going with the uh like it's my yard now but they're still running him as a baby face so they're they're like it's weird because they're trying to almost present him as a heel but but run him baby and it's kind of you see it's a another weird like, combo w- wwe like, sometimes they just need to shoot even, or get off the pot that's like, not even tweener that's just like they forgot you're using they're whatever writing. you want given the situation like it's just yeah um, so that's strange. And then in other news, Enzo and Cass are no more. Um, Cass, big Cass, turned heel recently. Um, honestly, I think what this means is... So I don't know this for sure. This is not confirmed. This is just my conjecture. But um, I was listening to a podcast recently uh, with uh, Big Show and and Chris Jericho. And, and Big Show had mentioned that there was uh, one, of the, one of the members of the current Raw roster that... Um, had just recently had kind of a stern talking to from uh, Vince McMahon. Um, Big Show kind of had to reaffirm him, reaffirm with him that, you know, that's actually not a bad thing. That's a good thing because it means he's paying attention to you, which means that he's got plans for you. Um, I assume that was Enzo. Um, just based on the fact that they kind of really haven't had much for him lately. But with Big Cast turning heel, turning on Enzo this is a good opportunity for Enzo to go on a singles run um, and maybe maybe actually develop something there. See, don't know that they're going to get far with Cass as a heel other than Cass is a big dude and he's, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he's an okay heel. I haven't watched it since I since I heard that he, that he turned. Um, but I just don't know what you do with a character like Cass. He's not as multifaceted. He's not as good on the mic. Enzo is the one that that you probably are going to push more heavily in the singles market. Yeah, and see, even still, um, when I heard this news too, my my big question was like, why are they breaking them up? Like, they're not neither one of them is going to be a big singles competitor, I don't think. Uh, and, and secondarily, they are a good tag team, and they are good. You know, like we talked about this before. Like at some point, they got to put the belts on Enzo and Cass, and uh, obviously they, they don't because they're not going to do that. But uh, you, you mentioned, you know, like they're really good chasing. Uh, and so I, I am consistently surprised when they don't use Enzo and Cass more for that because uh, they, they're they definitely another uh, tag. They get they get a pop when they when they come out. So. so here's what makes them not as good of a tag team. And this is this is a, a, a minor thing, but it, it's kind of a big thing if you are looking at the overall big picture. It is hard to do anything with Cass when you've got Enzo who can grab the mic and do whatever he wants. Yeah. Like he delivers a promo. I don't want to get, I don't, I'm not going to put him up on the level with the rock, but he's, he's, he's up there. Definitely one of the best guys on the mic that they've got right now. Cass is not. No, he's not. And he, when he's... you have the two side by side, it's very, very apparent. Um, and that's, that's kind of a hard thing to accomplish. I mean, you could kind of do a Bubba Ray and Devon thing where, where, where Bubba Ray just talked most of the time and Devon, didn't yeah um but uh but i think in this day and age they're really looking for people that can talk and whatnot um and i think separating casts from enzo does two things it it not only takes the focus off of the fact that one can talk and the other one can't but it gives Cass an opportunity to work on what he can do on the mic um in an environment where it isn't so obvious that he isn't the best yeah. one of the two so that's um, a good point I don't know that that's the reason why they did it, um, but I do think they probably have a pretty strong push in mind for Enzo, provided he comes through on his end. Hope so. Um, so. Anyway, 
Uh, so in the last piece of news that we're going to talk about then is, uh, this is actually kind of a feel-good story I put in there. Um, Triple, uh, Triple H, actually. Triple H, if you're from England. Triple H um, honored an off-duty police officer who was injured in the recent London attack after confronting the attackers with the WWE Championship. So he, uh, Triple H brought a belt to the officer uh, who uh, helped defeat the attackers in the uh, recent London attack um, because he noticed that he was wearing a Sami Zayn shirt at the time. Uh, so I put this in here. I don't want to spoil it, but go watch the video that's in there too, because uh, it's really funny. Um, yeah, Trips gets a bad rap uh, for being a backstage politician and whatnot, and you know maybe some of that's deserved, maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not there. I can't really tell you. Uh, I will tell you. I've heard some interesting things lately about Triple H. Um, I've been listening to something to wrestle with again um, with Bruce Pritchard and and, and Conrad Thompson. <laughs> I, I might have talked about this before, but Conrad Thompson, um, he's a wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also happens to be the owner of First Family Mortgage that is out there on the internet. Like they're they're kind of a big deal. Um, but he's a wrestling fan, and he's straight up from Alabama, <laughs> and it's just hilarious because he'll ask Pritchard something sometimes, and if Bruce doesn't know, he'll just be like, "I don't know," in there, you know, or whatever, and and. Like, Conrad will get heated with him. You're like, well, what the fuck do you know, you stupid fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like at the whatever show. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty hilarious. Um, But, uh, no, I was listening to some things about that. And um, Judgment Day 2002, they were doing a podcast about it um, because they mostly try and talk about things that happened in the WWE when Pritchard was there as a producer or creative or whatever he was, he was with the company almost 20 years. So he he had a pretty big, there's a lot of stuff they can cover. Yeah. Um, and they talked about when triple H dropped the belt to Hogan before judgment day, 2002, because judgment day, um, Hogan actually had a match against undertaker for the title. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was a brutal match. It was not, it was not pretty, um, on either part. Like both guys were just off that night and it was terrible, but they talked about, whose idea it was for triple H to drop the belt. And for as much as people talk about what a backstage politician triple H is, it was actually his idea for him to drop the belt to Hogan before going into it. Cause that was not the plan. The plan was for him to have a sizable run for it, uh, run with the belt and then ultimately, um, have a feud with Jericho. Uh, but he came up with the idea like when they were going through creative and stuff, he's like, wouldn't it be cool if Hogan won it though? Like, and had this kind of last run yeah, as, as a champ and stuff like that. So for all that talk, like he's still a fan and kind of still looks at it as a fan. Sometimes just like, you know what? I bet this would be awesome to do. Um, and I don't, I think there's probably, I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I'm a triple H fan. I always have been because I think he's got a really, really fucking good mind for how the business works. Um, but I also don't think he's a saint by any means. Um, but I, I, I do feel like the truth kind of lies in the middle and that he's not as bad a guy as people think he is. And this is kind of one of those moves that, that, I mean, he's out there and he's paying attention. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool move by the WWE. I thought, uh, and the video is funny too. Just check out the video. Cause there's yeah. some good, good commentary there too. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's the show for this week. Um, not nearly as long as we thought it was going to be. No, actually we, we breezed through that. I thought, uh, we, we did all right. So we really thought this was going to be a three hour show. We did. Um, 
no we're getting good at this though uh it only took us 88 episodes <laughs> uh if you want to tell us how good we are you can go on twitter we are at whatever show on twitter uh facebook.com slash whatever show yeah and we got the emails and stuff too we are questions at whatever.co if you have questions comments or other things you want us to hear um we also have a sponsor link too um we do if you want to throw money at us it's sponsors at whatever.co um other thing too is we are definitely on apple podcasts um we could use some of that apple juice if you want to go on there and and say hey these guys are good um we also show up on pretty much any other podcast player you have if you don't see us on whatever player you use uh fucking email us and we'll see what we can do to get added to that feed too yeah uh yeah for sure so uh, yeah definitely give us some juice on apple Podcasts. that's still probably the primary way that people discover podcasts is through something uh, either apple podcast itself or something that builds really heavily off of it so we'd really appreciate your ratings and stars and whatever on that so you really know. gotta that this was tough i almost said itunes a couple of times but apparently we're supposed to yeah steer clear comment like and subscribe yeah 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 um all right guys we'll see you next week later Steam, not the right window. If that's the one.